a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book podcast brought to you by Punch-Up Entertainment. I am your host, Mike Gargoni, and joining me as always, the Crimson Jack to my jolly, it is John Campbell. Hey, hey. Oh, Gargoni, we finally got out of the, uh, the adaptation of A New Hope, and all I can say is... Is it too late to go back? <laughs> yes, it is far too late. We've cl- we've crossed the Rubicon, John, and now we are into the staggering unknown that is still a late 70s comic in all the worst ways. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about this, but overall, my reaction to this first issue coming out of it, and now that we're into comics continuity, is... Yeah, it feels very comic booky, and I I don't often mean this in a derogatory way, but I do here now, where it is like, man, we are instantly not in the hands of a blockbuster film story anymore. Yes, correct. We are in the hands of people who have a vague passing understanding of science fiction tropes and are trying to leverage those in every which way they can, and Roy Thomas going, I don't know, it's one of them sci-fi shoot-'em-ups. It's one of those sci-fi shoot-'em-ups, and of course, I think something will keep it. It's always just like, and we can't move the plot too much. <laughs> no, no, we cannot. Yeah, so that's that's what we're looking at here for sure. So yes, we are talking about Star Wars number seven from Marvel Comics Group. This was released in January first, nineteen seventy-eight. So we are mm. now in the next year following the release of Star Wars, though still less than a year out from the release of the movie. I call this uh, uh, one ASW one of one year after Star Wars. <laughs> we've it's got hard. our we've got our own Battle of Yavin timescale. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, and of course uh, that's the crazy thing to keep in mind about this. Is I'm thinking is I think, and correct me if I'm wrong because you would be, but I think this is the first original story set in the Star Wars universe post the movie. Because Splinter of the Mind's Eye wouldn't come out for a little while after this. So I think you're honestly correct. There might have been some stuff in like a Starlog magazine or something, like little yeah. bits of fiction here and there, but. Story or something. But I, I think this is relatively the first new Star Wars story post the movie, which is. Oh, God, so disappointing. Um, <laughs> yes, because this issue is, of course, written still by Roy Thomas, though Howard Chaikin also does have a writing credit on uh, Marvel Unlimited, which is how we are reading these. But he is also Howard Chaikin also being the penciler with yeah, uh, well, he, Frank Springer he, he, being the inker, uh, Carl yeah. Gafford being the colorist and Joe Rosen on letters. Yeah, uh, Chaikin here is credited as artist slash co-plotter. Mm hmm. Which uh, and isn't by the way, unusual in Marvel Comics at the time. No, I just had to look this up. It's February 12th of 78 that Splinter of the Mind's Eye comes out. So yeah, okay. Uh, this beat this by like a month. Mm-hmm. And the only other thing I want to uh, check is when the West End Games Star Wars book came out. Uh, because I believe, yeah, that isn't until 87, so. Well, and this is also a time, as we've talked about, when like, 
uh, ancillary material and merchandise was not hot on the. I mean, now we're getting now we're to the point where the comics, the toys, and everything are out a month or two before the movie. Mm. But this is a time when, like, the merchandising and tie-in stuff was not part of the game plan of a release. So everything we're looking at is playing catch-up. Of man, there's there's demand. We better supply it. Right, exactly. So every story we're seeing now until basically within a year of this um, is when well, we start getting the deluge of like toys and games and board games and everything coming out with Star Wars. The other big thing, of course, 1978 gives us is the holiday special. You're not wrong. I'm just talking about <laughs> it, in this time when there's only the one movie. Mm-hmm. The stuff you're getting are this comic, Alan Dean Foster's Splinter in the Mind's Eye, and that holiday special. And then, yeah, some bits and bobs of short fiction here and there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a And weird... most of that is a little bit better than fan fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, that's so... Uh, but honestly, this comic's not much better than fan fiction. <laughs> well, we'll get into it, because yeah, let's, let's start out here with the cover, uh, because... Who boy, right off the bat, talk about like the inconsistency of art and strap in for the inconsistency of art over oh, the next few issues oh, here. If you, thought it, if you thought it was bad in the adaptation, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right off the bat, you're just like, this is this Star Wars? This is Star Wars? Uh, okay. No, it's Man it's- with the Golden Gun, as we can see that Han Solo is yeah. now the Man with the Golden Gun. What is this gun, both in its gold and what is this design? I mean... It is, they had whatever working, you know, um, reference they had on the adaptation, but now that we're into original stuff, it's just, oh, it's just, it just is Flash Gordon now. Oh, and we'll talk about some of the Flash Gordon-y stuff in this issue specifically, in the next couple of issues, honestly, but there's some, like, heavy, they only have a few references for sci-fi kind of mentality going into the design of this. There is no established look, quote-unquote, for Star Wars. We have the one movie, and so everything else beyond that is just guesswork. And it's and it's to, it's so lazy. There's yeah. no attempt to do any real designs. It is just like stock sci-fi stuff. And you can see that right here with this cover. Look at these aliens around Han and Chewie. Uh, who is that guy back there in the back? Who is that? I, the Chewie shot by the shirt. Some fish-headed guy with uh, some really colorful clothing. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, everything is rainbow-colored in these things. And then there's a... And Chewie's other hand is a dead lizard guy. Yeah, I mean, he might not be dead. We don't know. But yeah, it, it's not yeah, looking I'm great. Black mouth and eyes rolled up. He's in trouble uh, at the very least. Let's say that. <laughs> and Han is in a weird... Oh, Han's crouched pose is really weird how high that knee up is. You know what this that? reminded me of immediately is hmm. that ridiculously unnecessary spin move shot from... Book of Boba Fett, when one oh, of the yeah. the motor uh, kids, I forget their name, uh, mm. does the spin move and the lean down and the shoot. <laughs> yeah, it does have that look to it. And he's shooting there. We see a uh, <laughs> we see a wanted poster, which I love. Wanted, dead or alive, Han Solo and Chewbacca, the Wookiee. Yeah, as, just in case you uh, forgot. Well, the Marvel books always refer to him as Chewbacca, the Wookiee. And to be fair, a lot of stuff from around this era also referred to him as Chewbacca the Wookiee. It was all what? one name. 
Well, I, I think it's also, yeah, I think it's all one name, and I think they want to get the word Wookiee out there, you know, like mm-hmm. some of those things. It's like, because uh, I do think Wookiee is one of the, like, Star Wars alien races, every, like, no no matter your level of fandom, you have a general cursory knowledge of as yeah. a Star Wars alien race name. Yeah, Wookiee uh, Wookie is up there with, like, uh, Klingon and Vulcan in terms of just, like, if any, if you were asked a general population, like, hey, name a an alien race from a movie or f- TV property, those right. are, like, three of the big ones you could go to. Exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, Han, uh, and then all new Han Solo and Chewbacca on a world the law forgot. We just... We totally forgot about that planet, says the law. And the the slug line above the Star Wars logo, at last, beyond the movie, beyond the galaxy. I mean, in point of fact, they're still in the galaxy, so I don't know how that fits, but whatever. Continuing Marvel Comics covers that promise things the book doesn't deliver. Um, (laughs) And Luke Skywalker, though, still. I just love that Luke Skywalker is still the logo, and immediately they're like, yeah, let's get away from him. Yeah, because we go to our first page, and this is us leaving Leia and Luke behind pretty dang quick as we come in on that dumb, dumb Star Wars logo they still got at the top with the stars and the A's. using this crap. I mean, again, there's no... We don't have the establishment of what is the look of Star Wars yet, so here we are. Right, but the cover has a pretty close approximation of the movie logo, and then here, so far from it. (laughs) <laughs> and but yes, I also like this is where it says continuing the saga begun in the film by George Lucas. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. This is it, folks. Continuity. New this planets with new canon, perils. Baby. Yeah, this is canon. <laughs> no, it's and... not because immediately Empire Strikes Back will refute this opening scene. <laughs> right, because immediately we have Han Solo leaving, saying, "Look, I'm just a." I, I'm just a lonely star hopper making his way in the galaxy. They keep using the term star hopper through this. I, I, I was going to say, not something I hear used a lot in Star Wars, and they use it so much in this comic. Yeah, but Leia and Luke are trying to convince Han to stay and help the rebellion, and Han's like, nah, I got a price on my head. I got to go pay it off, which is but, honestly the exact same scene from the beginning of Empire. It's well, and the thing I like in Empire is it's implied it's you know what two is it like two years between roughly yeah ish, and the whole thing is he's always talking about leaving, but he hasn't, which I always thought was a good thing. But I also like this is not Han at all, and once again, everything we say, look, we know the responses. They don't know what's going to happen in the movies, and they don't have, of course, what we know. We know these characters backwards and forwards, but. Mm-hmm. There is something so weird about Han going, oh, gee, I wish I could help. I just sure love the rebellion. You're like, oh, that's not exactly his attitude. Uh, <laughs> there's so much talk about like, well, Chewie, we really got to go pay Jabba the Hutt, but I sure wish I was back fighting for the rebellion. I totally believe in. Well, John, don't you remember all those classic lines where Han says, and that's a promise from Han Solo, me, oh, speaking God. in the third person. That made me laugh so much reading this last night. And that's a promise from old Han Solo. (laughs) And also, stop sniveling, R2. R2 is blooping out tears here, apparently. That that Master... You'll see Master Solo again. 
this is the most garbage can looking R2-D2 I've seen in quite some time. Other than there, the garbage can painted to look like R2-D2 that I have seen in the past. I, th- this was the case in the... They cannot get the proportions or shape of R2-D2 in this comic. Like, they can't figure out exactly how... Okay, it's a dome and it's a thing. It's all just like... His leg is missing in this page. We see, like, a piece of his shoulder, but then it just stops halfway down his torso. That's enough. That's enough. Whatever. <laughs> also, uh, love the double hand clutch on Luke. Very romantic. Oh, the, look. Got his hands like, you listen, buddy. I love you. In a different timeline, there is a thruple situation happening here. <laughs> I think so. And, it, and, and you can really tell this because of the way Chewie is off in the shadows over here trying his best to get a gronk in. Look, Chewie is just the parental figure standing next to the minivan while the kids in high school are saying goodbye to each other. And the the parent near the minivan is going, okay, I get it, your emotions, you're young, whatever, but we have to get to dinner. The way the way Chewie's drawn with his arms clasped behind his back, like, uh-huh, yep, 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 mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right, wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So, of course, they can't convince him to stay. Han, with his page boy haircut here, has to immediately oh. leave. Han's hair is all over. The, well, just the Han's face, Han's hair, and Chewbacca. Boy, the, I mean, the character designs. Like I said, regardless of likeness to actors, how about consistency within a comic? Well, you'll notice that over the last couple of issues, one of the biggest inconsistencies between creative teams has been the anchor. And that can make such a huge difference when it comes to especially the fine detail on character work in comics. Well, I think that's a big reason why today, and I'm not, it's not, not entirely, but I would say most of the time, pencilers are inking their own stuff these days. I think for that reason, which is... That you know that you can drastically change pencils with ink, so yeah, the idea of wanting to do that yourself makes sense. Um, so here goes the Millennium Falcon looking pretty wonky in this first panel. There, that's not exactly right to me. I mean, we've seen the Millennium Falcon change shape and consistency basically every other panel it's in, and yeah, the weird little like tin can welded to the side where the bridge is supposed to be is somewhat disconcerting. Also, again, they clearly have no idea what the inside of the ship is supposed to look like. At least Howard Chaykin doesn't. So when we have speech bubbles coming from the right side of the ship, when the left side of the ship is where the bridge is, it immediately makes me go like, you have no idea where people are supposed to be sitting in this thing. Not at all. And just look at these, the the two panels in the middle here. Look at the radically different faces on Han Solo just between those two panels. Oh, and Chewie, for that matter. His nose yeah. changes shape. They're, 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 they're completely different characters when you go from panel to panel. It's, mm-hmm. it's insane to me. Yeah, and we get a good garunk and then an irk from <laughs> Chewbacca as he's conversing with Han here. This issue gives us a lot of Chewie noises. Uh mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's so much of this in this issue of like, remember Chewie, how we owe money to Jabba the Hutt? Mm-hmm. Hutt with one T in this. I did notice that as well. A little weird. Uh, uh, get a smuggling czar on your tail, old buddy, and even a galactic war won't save you. I like that line. Also, 
but but even more, uh, uh, he'd have us both zapped by one of his blaster happy bongos. Yeah, if there's one thing we know about. Also, in this in this third panel here, is it just me or does Han look irrevocably like Rick Trail here? He really does. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> Just with like the stony romance comic face and the thumbs up and the like, well, we better go deal with these cocaine smugglers on the trail. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yes, that's yeah. a thing that happened in Rick Trail. <laughs> uh, and, and a little, and a doofy expression on Chewie's face, too. They both look so weird in that second panel there on the page, uh, the, yeah. in the middle there. Because Chewie, Chewie's going like, Urk. Well, I mean, he looks equally weird in the second panel here, where his face, again, yeah. radically different, hairstyle completely different, and he's got this kind of, like, boyish, big-eyed, Prince Valiant look when he says, Yeah, I know, after all the battle action, I'd give away my star spurs to stay here and help Princess Leia regroup the rebels. Battle action? Star spurs? What the hell are you talking about, Thomas? <laughs> my star spurs. I'm a pirate and a cowboy, but I'm also in space. Do you follow? <laughs> are you are uh, you keeping up with the vibe we're putting out here? A little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, hello, I'm the most popular character in that new hot movie. Um, <laughs> uh, let's talk about this this these last three panels of just things they're passing by in hyperspace. Yeah, again, no real idea of how hyperspace works at this point, other than... But, I mean, here's an interesting thing, though. The only scenes we've seen of hyperspace thus far are in the original movie, so we still already have the blurred stars and the warping blue tunnel as, like, the visual for hyperspace. It's instantly iconic in that movie. And we haven't seen it once in these comics, which is interesting. No. And And at this point, once again... Now it's 78, and you're telling me that they, the majority of the people working on this, or at least editorial, haven't seen the movie enough to be able to go, it should look like this? Apparently not. I guess not. I do but kind of like the effect of the streak behind the Millennium Falcon being the the last yeah. of the narration here as they're passing by different things. In a different sci-fi book, I think that could be effective. In this, but- it's confusing and weird. I also wish it was more distinctly the streak and not this weird bubble around the Falcon, like it was coming out of the exhaust. But yeah. I'm nitpicking. Yeah. But I will say, like, what are these little weird creatures sitting here on this planet? And then there's like a dome floating city. And then it's space stuff, John. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's the whole book is there's space stuff. Don't worry about it. Hey, speaking uh, of space stuff, let's go to the next page where it's a cruiser that's been abandoned. And the only way we can really know that is because of the dialogue, because the art is indecipherable. Oh, this is a huge pet peeve of mine, which is uh, it's all images of spaceships with tons of word bubbles coming from the spaceships. Mm-hmm. God, that is bad visual storytelling, guys. Because like, oh, some kind of cruiser. Yeah. They want to imply that there's this big cruiser just powered down in the middle of nowhere space, which if they were in hyperspace, how, why would they suddenly run into it? Don't worry about it. And so we're coming across this cruiser. They're not going fast enough. Assuming that this hyperspace in the comics works different than the hyperspace in the movies, which we have to assume at this point. Well, we've been shown that it has. I mean, just our visuals are radically different. 
He's going at hyperspeed, whatever mm-hmm. that is in this, yeah. which is fast enough to move through interplanetary distances without time dilation causing everything to go fucky, mm-hmm. but slow enough that we can see something out the window. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird. Don't Very worry about it. It's space yeah. stuff. <laughs> Scope shows is drifting. Could be a Daryl. And then, oh my God. This chewy close-up? What is this? What is that? Oh, look, that's his Haru face, John. You can't be denying his Haru face. Haru is how I imagine that should be said. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's a weird look on Chewy with the big eyes and the the wide, almost like minstrelly mouth that's going on there. I don't like it. Whatever it is. Everything about it is wrong. Uh, you know, but, uh-oh, this might just be Space Pirates! Now, let's be clear about one thing. If mm-hmm. there is something, a, two co- a two-word combination that Mike Gargoni loves above all things, it is Space Pirate. Well, Space Pirates rule, man. The the one thing that is, uh, we've talked before about uh, the great movie Ad Astra and how much we love that movie has Moon Pirates. Mm-hmm. And that's also a good combination of words. That's a good combination of words here. But uh, I will say, we're about to flip the page. These space pirates very much disappoint. So, Star, star Jammers, they are not, sir. They, here is what we get, is on this next page here, we have a plethora of small fighter craft coming after the Millennium Falcon. Which are all... Very much Flash Gordon ship designs, right? I was gonna, uh, I was gonna say, Flash Gordon is very clearly what we're leaning into, and boy, when we get a look at these space pirates, it's gonna be real clear. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it's- the the spaceship designs here are so like fifties retro futurist George Jetson looking spacecraft. Or they start from the rocket ship design and then build from there, right? And so you have the ship that vaguely looks like a Star Destroyer in this cruiser here in the yeah. triangular design. And then you have the Millennium Falcon. And those are pretty Star Warsy. Everything else on this page, barring the vaguest outline of a TIE fighter in the top right yeah. corner of this yeah. first panel. Which is, also makes no sense. Uh, yeah, but they, All of these other ships are from a different sci-fi setting. Completely. And it was so disconcerting when you turn that page to go, Star Wars? <laughs> I mean, once again, especially now, we have such uh, easily identify- identifiable iconography that, as we're talking about, not only ships we know from Star Wars, but just types of ships that are in Star Wars. You can show me a new ship design, and I would go, that feels of the Star Wars world. Right. And stuff that doesn't is immediately identifiable, like this this yeah. big rocket ship up here looks like something out of Challengers of the Unknown. It really does, yeah. Which is, and I love that stuff in its place. It's just not Star Wars. And then yeah. immediately we're just retreading the first movie, aren't we? By pulling in uh, the Millennium Falcon uh, into the into the tractor beam of this cruiser, very much like the blockade ship at the beginning of the first movie. Yeah, absolutely. And we get another Rick Trail Han Solo here, him raising his <laughs> fists. Uh, you're not as mad as I am, Chewy, and you can tell he's mad. Look at him. Bald fist, scrunchy face, his jaw Ooh, thrusting them. outward. Ooh, them space pirates. 
Oh. Also, uh, there's a lot of swallowing in the dialogue here. She's swallowing us up for boarding. To be swallowed by the Death Star was one thing, but space pirates? Oh, I feel ashamed of myself. Han Solo will not be swallowed, folks. <laughs> put that on the record. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it, I mean, it's actually something I've noticed throughout Thomas's writing is his repetition of words is infuriating hmm. for a professional writer to be that bad and just keep it's like choose other words man also uh, like we get this bit in the last panel where we talk about how the space pirate that's capturing him has been around they've got all sorts of like weird fighter craft it's a hodgepodge of an armada and that's a cool idea somebody that's just like collected scraps and bits and pieces and it's something we'll see explored in later star wars books as well of like scavengers who have kind of scrapped yeah. a bunch of stuff from across the galaxy thomas's, I mean, thomas's idea of the space pirates is not bad however the the look of them terrible and their use in this hilarious it, it is really just to like set the clock back on the story right that's the only yep. purpose this whole sequence serves uh because let's go to the next page and meet our scallywags including oh, one boy. of these guys i mean it's a couple of these guys are literal space pirates this guy here with the bandana and the cutlass which is would have been a funny visual gag on its own. The idea like, oh, they're space pirates and one of them's literally a Yaharmi Buckos style of pirate is yeah. pretty funny if it's never addressed. Mm -hmm. But the fact that the captioning calls it out makes yeah. it go, wait, hold on. Yeah. They're acknowledging that this is as stupid as it looks. <laughs> Ray guns glitter next to archaic cutlasses. Is yeah. the also ray guns. In a Star Wars book. Yeah, I mean, we haven't really come into the nomenclature of blasters just yet. We'll hear it here and there, but for the most part, they use the term laser gun, ray gun, blaster kind of interchangeably. Le le but yeah, I'll take laser. Ray gun is just so 50s Flash Gordon-y. I'll get yeah. my ray gun, Dale. Um, but, but speaking uh, of Flash Gordon, the oh. look... Of this main pirate guy, the guy we will eventually learn is named Crimson Jack. Uh, is... whose, main, whose main crime is his aversion to pants. Look, there is a certain style of costume that evolved in the 60s and 70s for comic book characters that involves a leotard that stops at the top of the thigh and mm -hmm. at the collar of the shoulder and extends no further in either direction. He's been doing a lot of cycling and he wants to show it off, folks. <laughs> this is a very similar costume to Colossus from the X-Men for the oh, longest yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the, I mean, and we're, we're definitely doing the Buccaneer boots, which is a very Marvel design. Oh, yeah, 100%. These boots are made for walking, and that's just what he'll do as he's walking down. This is the man in black, as he is called. Uh, we also yep. have a random stormtrooper in there, which, again, is called out by the captioning, making it even more of a, like, non-sequitur. There is even the white stoic armor of a fallen stormtrooper, strangely out of place. And if like, the art had conveyed... Like if the art had conveyed this idea that the stormtrooper armor had been like scavenged, so we see like it like piecemeal on a pirate, that's one thing. But it's just a random stormtrooper in the art. 
I think ditch the helmet and just show that he's wearing like part. Well, what we would see later, like parts of the body armor, because you do see that in some Star Wars stuff where they've like mm-hmm. <clears throat> taken a chest plate or some shoulder pads or something. Yeah. But here he's just a guy who found a fully intact stormtrooper arm, and he goes, "Yeah, I'm wearing that all the time, baby." <laughs> yeah, because you know it's such good armor too. Oh, it's yeah. So oh, the second panel Han Solo face. <laughs> he's, oh, he's got some Shaggy from Scooby Doo vibes here. Also, his hair is like curling now. Is that a thing yeah. Han Solo has ever had? Han's hair is all over the place in this. It is, uh, and another, it really is becoming his catchphrase, Gronk. I mean, look, we're never going to get away from Gronk, I think. And what is the, they, they've got, it's it's sort of Chewie's bowcaster, but is this like a pistol version of it? Chewie's gun changes as much as Han and Chewie's face does in the mm-hmm. next few issues. There is no consistency to the type of gear he's carrying. Which is so weird because Chewie's bowcaster is basically just a crossbow in design, essentially, right? Like it, yeah. it it shouldn't be that hard to to draw. I don't know why they can't. But here it looks like one of those like little pistol crossbows. Yeah, yeah. I don't and know. It's a cut to someone holding a gun on the. That is that is a horrible panel. That is just the gun, and we have no idea who's holding it. Yeah, we get dialogue and a blue and red picture of somebody holding a gun, and if- and then when we when we meet the person who's holding it, she is a character out of a Jean Luc Godard movie <laughs> with the beret and the yeah. the high neck shirt, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, she is a total like European mod girl of the nineteen sixties, mm-hmm. and her Just name is. Her- how how did you say that in your head? Because I said it as jolly because I thought it was a pirate pun. Yeah, I thought I took it as jolly too. I mean, I okay. guess one could make it more spacing, call it like jolly or something like that. But I think it is jolly. I'm not giving too much credit to Roy Thomas here for his creation of characters. I mean, right. Crimson Jack doesn't really seem like much of a Star Wars character either. He could <laughs> just like not dressed and acting like this. <laughs> Ha ha! Uh, yeah, because years it. later in the sequel trilogy, we'll get the Crimson Corsair, who is like a yeah. really cool character design, and he has got like an interesting backstory in a series of short books, which of course he does. But he's in one scene in The Force Awakens. <laughs> I was gonna say you're gonna, you've described every Star Wars character who has an interesting backstory in a series of books. Uh, I know, but he at least like fits and is of a piece yeah, for the, well, the world. Space pirates and scoundrels and scavengers and stuff is part of Star Wars. It's just there's these ones are so goofy. Yeah, Hondo Anaka. This guy is not. No, no, no. I love uh, me some Hondo though. Oh, he's great. Uh, still a Joker, a eh? Solo. <laughs> I imagined all of his dialogue was said like this. Yeah. You know? I'm glad he didn't force you to kill him. I'd hate to have to bury the illustrious Han Solo. His expressions on his face are indicating that. He's like, I'm a space pirate. Oh, yes. 
Uh, yeah, this is like this is like a Will Ferrell SNL sketch of a of a Star Wars space pirate. You know? Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. Jolly, ever bloodthirsty, is like, "We've wasted enough time, Captain. Let me blast a hole in him." Also, I mean, look, I'm not here for Howard Jenkins. Uh, I'm not here to bag on his anatomy drawings. Uh, but I mean, maybe she's an alien, but those are not the shape of human breasts. No, they're very pointy. Yeah, very conical. Um, also, is it just me, or did her gun turn into a revolver in that last panel? It, it, <laughs> it has slowly been evolving into a revolver until, yeah, <laughs> and it's just a six gun. <laughs> so, yeah, Captain Drew, look, go to the next page. It's even more revolvery. Oh, yeah. So, yes, Crimson Jack is accosting Han Solo here. He and his pirate crew has captured him and is taking all the money they just got from the Rebellion so that Han is now back at square one. This is hilariously bad storytelling. Yes. (laughs) We invent a series of characters for the sole purpose of rolling the characters back to a position where you'd think if he just got utterly robbed why not just head back to the rebels because he wanted to stay to begin with if not for all of his money no sense to me and especially if job of the hut is going to come after you wouldn't having the rebel army with you help that you would think you would think but also i mean so here's the thing if you look at this because i'm going okay it's going to be han and chewie versus space pirates that's the story of this issue the space pirates are in three pages and then peace out and, and make up a back. no, and they make up a weird reason for not killing Han and Chewie, which is Crimson Jack saying, "But if we kill them, we won't be able to steal from them again later." Yeah, someday they'll probably get some more cargo that we'll take. What? <laughs> makes which, no sense at all. Yeah, no. Crimson Jack is. <laughs> One day soon, we may again encounter Mister Solo and his furry friend, and when they have another interesting cargo. That will hardly be true if we eliminate them, will it? Let's go, lads. Let's go, lads. Um, yeah, that's uh, uh, actually speaking of Flash Gordon, it's almost I almost want it to be Brian Blessed from that, like Gordon's alive, like this guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I also love something you don't see in comics, which is something a person might say, but this made me laugh. Is the two jollies, but one in bold here, like he's going jolly, jolly. <laughs> you don't see that a lot in, in word bubble writing and comics because yeah. it's weird it's weird <laughs> to try to put like naturalistic patter of conversation in mm-hmm. there easy to tell you're still new with this piracy game this is what we do baby <laughs> I'm hip I'm with it you're still new at this piracy bag doll <laughs> I know I kind of want a spinoff about these very hip and cool space pirates and his weird crew of people. There was a guy earlier you saw in the background who had a fez on. Like, mm, what? I'm going to back it up a little bit. Oh, yeah. In the first uh, panel of them coming onto the ship, there's, there's the guy the with back. the vest with the eye patch. Behind him is a dude with a fez. We've got this bald guy with the earring and shoulder pads and the straight up buccaneer. Yep. It's it's a weird gang, man. It's the most lovable gang of rapscallions the galaxy's ever seen. 
I'll say this much for Roy Thomas. In three pages, he has managed to create a concoction of, like, weird little side characters that I am intrigued about because there's this whole backstory about this bloodthirsty last named Jolly who's new to the pirate game, but Crimson Jack has taken her under his wing for some reason. There's a, a lot of implied backstory here. And Jack famously never kills anyone. It's his <laughs> bag, baby. <laughs> Why they call me Crimson Jack? Well, it's mostly the beard because I dress in black and I never spill any blood. <laughs> That's right. All right. Let's go, Rob. Let's go check back. His whole attitude is let's go check back in with some other people we've robbed in the past to see if they got any new cargo we can steal. <laughs> We just keep robbing from, like, the same five guys. Huh. <laughs> so, what are... Yeah, again, there's the whole issue of, like, how on earth did the Millennium Falcon even, like, stop to see these guys when moving at hyperspeed? Let's not worry <laughs> about it. No, but it's time to run to everyone's favorite planet of Aduba 3. Yeah, which is Han Solo here in this last panel on this page says, Without that treasure, Jabba will soon have a price on our heads that'll make us the target of every bounty hunter on this side of Aquila. I like the name drop of Aquila because it's a planet from Star Wars, but it's never really readdressed here. Ready to have a bounty on their head? And that's what I was going to say is no. they already have a price on their head. How does this change anything? Yeah, it's just like I don't know. They're they're just back to where they were at the beginning of Star Wars. Like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but Speaking anyway, of the beginning of Star Wars, a Duma oh, three, like you said, it's just Tatooine. It's it might as well be. Yeah, I I don't know why they don't. Well, I guess they don't go to Tatooine because that's where Jabba is. So instead, we'll just go to the off-brand Tatooine. This is Tatooine at home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so they, they land here and he's trying, but even his description of it is very much like it's most Eisley, but not right. Like mm -hmm. the backstory about it was the site of a chromium rush, which turned out to be largely false. I mean, he's trying to give it this backwater, backwater, uh, Western kind of thing, right? About, oh, like Deadwood that, you know, they, they said there was gold, but then there wasn't as much as, you know, mm-hmm. Well, but and we'll see in the next couple of issues that this is going to quickly become a magnificent seven riff. So we've oh. got to start things off on the right foot of, by the way, this is a Western. Yeah, he is. He Roy Thomas has figured out West once again, he's leaned hard into cowboys and pirates is what he took from Star Wars, mm -hmm. uh, which so isn't necessarily the wrong thing to take from Star Wars. But it's not. It's just he's literally doing cowboys and pirates. He's not doing <laughs> yes. Star Wars inspired by those things. So mm -hmm. they walk into this totally desolate town and they even make a comment on it. And by the way, anytime there's a two part chewy sound, I always wanted to be going garunk. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, is it just me, or is that the Statue of Liberty sticking out of the sand in the background? It of that really panel? looks like it there, man. Oh, <laughs> shit. Jake can accidentally start drawing a Planet of the Apes book. Uh, uh -oh. <laughs> Whoops. Never, yeah. <laughs> which Now, which space thing is this? Um, they, yeah. So they go up here, and there's immediately there's trouble with a priest on a bantha? Well, That's I, they, they why not... Once again, it's just speaking to the lack of why not make a new thing? Why is it also just a bantha again? 
it's also very much not a bantha based on how it's drawn. So well, yeah, they they took a word from the movie and yeah. So what I really dislike about this scene here is as they're walking into this very much not most Eisley. They're doing it under the idea that they're running here so that they can hide out from Jabba the Hutt's bounty hunters, right? Right. But they've also got this secondary plan of we need to find a little job here and there to make some money. So let's go to a place that is desolate and famous for being a bust where it comes to resources to make some cash. Nobody said Han Solo was a good criminal. <laughs> But also, this last panel is so, so guilty of telling and not showing. Because oh my God. what Han is saying about this bug guy being on a bantha, being accosted by a crowd, is like the art conveys a mob of people around a giant fat goat. And there is a figure on top of that goat. But the fact that it's insect-like or that the mob is oh, angry yeah. at them, it's... And even yeah. even calling it a figure is generous. It's a blob basically on top of a thing. Uh also, can we talk about the fact that uh, Han Solo was raised some form of Christian? Because <laughs> I shouldn't have skipped so much Sunday school as a kid. What? The fact that Sunday is a thing in a galaxy far, far away. The idea that there would be school on there. The idea that it would have some kind of religious connotation. Uh, yeah, yeah, the idea that it's church as we know it. Uh-huh. Uh, like, well, because I do think at this point he's... Well, although he does say Corellian, so but it, it does just sort of seem like, well, he's kind of an Earth man, though, right? John, you don't know about the uh, Corellian Episcopal faith? <laughs> And also, this very human hand that they have, Chewbacca, that they just paint brown and put some hairlines on. Yeah, yeah, that was... Come also, the, the scale here is so bizarre because... So weird. Yeah, they're trying to do some forced perspective stuff and it's just not working. No, man, this is... I don't think Jaken looks back on this fondly. Well, here comes... Oh, my God, get ready, folks, for... Not much in the way of alien design, at least up front here. It's more just weird-looking guys that we've colored strangely. Yeah, well, there's that one spiky dude in the bottom right that, of this first that's panel here. The weird thing. And then, uh, man, there's a ring wraith back there behind them. <laughs> well, look, you gotta have a hooded guy in a cloak, and he's just a really tall Jawa. That's he's just a, a giant <laughs> Jawa. It's fine. Ostracized for my height from the Jawas. Utini. Uh, Okay, um, <laughs> it's a glandular issue. Um, uh, so yeah, you, everybody's real mad. Uh, Clather, no, pull that buggy down from there. He ain't putting no borgs in our mound. Now, as a Star Trek fan, I hear somebody toss around the word borg. Yeah, so this is going to be, a, it turns out, a very special issue of Star Wars that teaches us about racism. Mm -hmm. And, and this purple guy up here with the green vest is about as racist as we can get uh, we by can calling him buggy and referring to Borgs. And, and just look at the expression on his face. That's a man who's actively saying some slurs right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nobody in the crowd seems to have a problem with that other than Han and Chewie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, weirdly, one of the uh, Persians from 300 is behind him. Glenn. 
Um, yeah. So here's the, here's this guy that they're after, but uh oh, Buggy uh, ain't having it, man. Yeah, this uh, insectoid person, which when we say insectoid, we really mean just he's got a bug-like face. He still has two arms and two legs, so calling him insect-like actually is a misnomer. He's bug-like. He's got, like, Firefly's helmet from Batman is what it looks like. Yeah, It looks like a guy wearing a mask with bug eyes, not an actual bug creature. And And he's still got the same number of fingers and... He's yeah. fighting with a double-sided spear thing, and he's wearing some big purple robes. It's very weird, once again, that they are so uh, uh, prejudiced against this guy when they're just a weird hodgepodge of alien people. Oh, yeah, but at least they're not dragging around a cyborg trying to bury him where all the regular folk are being buried. But I do want to talk about this last panel where we have a bunch of alien designs, including a guy who appears to be wearing some sort of uh, beaver mascot head. Yeah, and there's this little purple guy in a jumpsuit, and the guy behind him, the big purple guy, appears to just be wearing a floaty around his waist. Yeah, uh, but uh, keen-eyed viewers will note that is that Nazi that Indiana Jones fights by the plane from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, it's true. (laughs) He's He worked a lot. Uh, And then there's just a green kind of... I don't know, does he have scales or something? There's not a lot of definition, but he's over on the... The right side going. I think he's the same green guy from the f- top panel with the spiky head. It's just that the top of his head's kind of clipped off by the oh, gutter. I think, I think I think you're right. Yeah, and Chewy, <laughs> Chewy's equivalent of going. Let's all knock this off. Is Gronk? So they default to Gronk a lot. Well, Gronk is the default Chewy noise, as we all know. That's the mm-hmm. sound he makes. That's how you write it phonetically, right? I remember having the talking chewy toy as a kid, and you push a button, he goes, Gronk! Uh, <laughs> oh, Chewbacca, you card! This, these next few panels are absolutely implying a lot of motion that they don't show, which is a little frustrating. So yep. we see in this Very first panel, yeah. yeah, the captioning saying the bug gets down off the insect, but before he can speak, one of the angry crowd seeks to lay a hand on him, and so the bug strikes back. Um, however, before he can remount his huge beast of burden, he is grappled by the crowd Mm -hmm. and Han decides to join the fray. But look at his bouncing hair in that talk about Prince Valiant cut on Han Solo. His hair, his hair grew so much between panels. Can we talk about how square his jaw is in the first panel? It is quite literally rectangular. Mm. (laughs) And it's also, but he's got these very sharp cheekbones and like sunken in cheeks he kind of has a clint eastwood face yeah a little bit a little bit obviously they're going for the cowboy thing it's just but it's just like or you could make him look like i don't know harrison ford maybe uh oh, can't have that that would be hard and require time yeah. and detail can't do that let's go to the next page here and more action as han is tossing this blue yellow colored guy yeah and he looks like a pokemon but I really want to talk about what happened to Chewbacca's face in this panel. I don't think that's Chewbacca. I think for a brief moment in time, he is replaced by the Cyclopean hairy monster from a Ray Harryhausen film. And it absolutely is what it looks like. <laughs> 
I'm trying to remember which 50s sci-fi movie has the weird giant hairy space monster with the robot head. Um, it's an MST3K. I'm totally blanking on it, though. Yeah. But that's what Chewbacca looks like here. He looks like that. He looks like a villain who'd be on like a Twilight Zone or something, something from that era for sure. That's like, and you're just like, what happened, man? Did yeah. like his pen fall out of his hand or uh, Howard Chaykin like fell down while drawing this and still turned it in or something? It's it just it's like he just went crazy here. But this also is our first look at the cy- at the dead cyborg in his glass coffin. Yeah, yeah. So they're beating up all the crowd and trying to rescue this bug guy. Uh, Han Solo tries to get him back up and uh, they make up some space language for oh. Padre and my yeah. son. And then, and then uh, Para is the one for Padre. And then Ray Thomas goes, and I'm going to have Han say it in every single line I give him from now on. <laughs> he keeps saying Para so much. Yeah. And this is just Roy Thomas making stuff up because he's not allowed to write Spanish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he says para and then the 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 bug guy goes, Yes, my fi. Which is high galactic for male child. Uh high galactic will kind of be a language in Star Wars canon at some point, but it's not really used all that much. Basic is usually the language that everyone right. speaks. Yeah, uh, and uh, boy, everybody backs off because they're afraid of Chewie because he's going, Grrr! I do, I do like the line, if there's a man-like alien anywhere in the galaxy that can take on an angry Wookiee and live to tell the tale, I've never seen him. And that's a promise from old Han Solo. I just like the phrase, man-like alien. Yeah, one of those man-like aliens. Now, there's a few non-man-like aliens that are good for it but uh yeah sure of course (laughs) uh so here uh, let's talk about uh we go to the next page here and basically yeah we find out that these people don't like cyborgs uh, cyborgs and so they don't want them buried around here Uh, before we get into that i want to address so look at the bantha at the top of this page here and how it looks like a dr seuss animal yeah, he's got a little too much life in his face to be a bantha to me. Go to the page just before it. Go back to the last page where we see yeah. the bantha again at the top panel. Oh, he doesn't look anything like that at all. Completely different art. In, it still looks like a Dr. Seuss character. Still like yeah. kind of with a weird face to it and like with the curling horns, but a completely different beast than what we see in the very next page. Yep. <laughs> It's wild how different the art is between those two creatures. Uh, and uh, basically what happens is Han Solo agrees to bury this cyborg guy for the loose bag of coins that he had on him. <laughs> he had a small sack of coins on his person when he died. By tradition, it belongs to the one who buries him. Borg, old buddy, you just bought yourself a last resting place. So the idea that people are so racist against cyborgs is that because they're part droid seems to be the implication here. And that because they're part droid, they don't deserve a proper burial of any sort. Right. I, this is worthy of an issue of a Star Wars comic. (laughs) 
I mean, look, I the idea that somebody has replaced themselves with machine parts is an interesting oh. sci-fi concept that has been done since time immemorial. And Star Wars has done stuff with that. There's interesting stories to be told with that, no question. And the idea that other, quote-unquote, normal folk, however you define that, mm-hmm. would discriminate against somebody who, like, tra- changes and, like, makes their parts of their body artificial is, again a classic piece of storytelling that even moves beyond science fiction into yep. people discriminating against uh, f- folks with disabilities and people with like replacement limbs and stuff happens it's, all the time. Yeah, it's absolutely. And it's such a, uh, a good, easy parallel to make. Right. Absolutely. Uh, but, but just seeing Han Solo and introducing the, all of these concepts suddenly into Star Wars, because there were yeah. no cyborgs in Star Wars at this point. Uh, we don't yet know that Darth Vader is, but yes, yeah. Correct. Yeah, as uh, far as we know, he's a robot. Yeah, there's a line, oh, maybe it's in the next season, I don't know, but there's 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 talk about uh, Darth Vader is like that armored son of a bitch or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what, what, what does Han Solo think Darth Vader is at this point? I have questions. Uh but uh, yeah. Anyway, so Han mounts this. Well, we'll keep calling it Bantha because that's what they say. Uh, and uh, and he's like, "That's right, everybody, back off! I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go bury this robot man." Also, Han saying, "You know, Chewie, spacers are a weird lot." Isn't he referring to himself here? I would define Han Solo uh, as a spacer. I know. I don't know what. Yeah, the, I had this question reading it last night too. I'm going. So what is a sp- Spacer, then you know, like because all these people live here, right? So yeah, how are th- if anything, he's the spacer and they're townies. Yeah, the guy who's bounding about the galaxy with his Wookie best pal seems more like a spacer to me. But anyway, let's let's head out of here as this colorful group of aliens is just like, ah, whatever, man. Let's start throwing. Li- they're gonna throw some. They throw some rocks at him. Yeah, it's just the way they're colored. They look like they're throwing limes at him. Yeah, it's fair. Because, yeah, yeah, as they start moving out of town. You know, scoundrel. Um, I I like the term, uh, go back to where you came from, you dirty Borg liquor. <laughs> I was like, wow, that sounds real nasty, even though it has no real place in reality. It sure does, though. Uh, but Chewie's real upset. Cause, well, I, just, I also love Han going, ow! And Chewie going, Nurk! Oh, that's the traditional Shrewook pain sound is Nurk. Grrrg. Easy, Chewie. (laughs) You may be as strong as a whole freighter load of swamp cats. You know, swamp cats. You know, when they're smuggling in the bayou. Um, (laughs) Look, swamp cats are the lesser known cousins of the Thundercats. Swamp cats. We lasted three episodes. Um... (laughs) Oh, oh, the Ulf also made me laugh yes, last night when he goes, Ulf, when this, uh, oh, by, by the way, this thing grabbing Han Solo, folks, yes, that is a prehistoric man from 2001 A Space Odyssey. Making oh, a cameo. see, I thought it was Cheetah from Tarzan. Yeah, yeah, that's a common mistake. They, they're they always up for the same parts. Uh, <laughs> no, it is, it, it, and oh, this close-up of angry Han Solo, or whoever this man is. Yeah, I don't know. His eyes have shifted apart, and his eyebrows are suddenly huge. And Yeah, I, I don't know. 
But He's they get dragged into a melee and begin fighting the entire town because they don't want this cyborg buried on a hill. So <laughs> just keep going. When you talk about when people t- uh, when writers talk about introducing stakes into stories, yeah, it's just like what is at stake here? So and Han is really putting his life on the line for a sack of coins. Who knows how much that's worth? But it's a whole sack, John. <laughs> I don't know, Chewie. We could do a lot with that sack full. Um, I do want to talk about this next page and these middle two panels where Han's been dragged off the Bantha, quote unquote. And yeah. now we have a long inner monologue as no. an axe is being swung at him. Yeah. And- <laughs> by, by a guy with weird, like, noodly arms that are like, what are these things? They're like bendy straw arms. If. I didn't know any better. I would say he looks like a cyborg. <laughs> I'm just going to keep uh, piling this on so nobody notices me. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're to say that's organically his race. Uh, who knows? I'm All- born this way. What I want to focus on is this long inner dialogue that Han has with himself, trying to figure out whether or not he's willing to kill somebody. And the fact that we're still in an era in which Han has always shot first makes yeah. this torturous to me. I know. So far, so good. They're mad, but they're not killers. And as long as they don't try anything lethal, there's still a chance we can. Whoops, looks like I spoke too soon. Oh, by the way, my fair line, oh, there's one in every crowd. And by that, he means murderer. Uh, <laughs> no way I can dodge that. The Kurdian battle axe. So you die now. So I don't have a choice. And he opens fire and Chewie immediately takes that as the opening starting pistol to start a murdering. <laughs> well, because then it appears Chewie is just blasting crowd folds of people, vaporizing them with his frizz ray. Because, um, yeah, we go to the next page and it is just Han and Chewie back to back firing indiscriminately what? into a crowd. What? Once one person took lethal axe against Han Solo, he's like, oh, it's on, buddy. We're <laughs> killing this whole town. Okay, Chewie, these space-happy clowns started this clam bake. Clam bake! <laughs> yeah. Let's he might it. as well have said Donnie Brook. <laughs> he should have. And, and they're, I mean, they murder, what, 20, 30 people here, presumably? Let's, I'm going to count the bodies here. So there's one on that first page before. Two, three, there's four, five, uh, and I'll, the let's see, six... Seven, eight, nine, let's call it an even dozen over yeah. the next couple of pages. Just Han Solo and Chewbacca, mass murderers. <laughs> That's what we love about them, right? Um, but this last panel, uh, what's going on with the guns and what is going on with Han's head? I don't know. His hair has again changed radically. Uh, he his facial structure has changed. He's, He's wearing- suddenly wearing a jacket. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's his costume from Empire. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and once again, look at Chewbacca over here in the corner. That's not Chewbacca. What's interesting is Chewbacca in the middle panel here looks like some of the uh, original like uh, prototype art for the Chewbacca designs. He does, yeah. I still wonder if they're looking at some of that Macquarie art. 
Yeah, no, it absolutely looks like some of the Macquarie art that would later, of course, be used to design uh, Zeb from Star Wars Rebels. Yes, and I do wonder if that's still some of the reference that uh, Jaken has. It's so um, tough to say, but, considering how often the but, art and design changes from panel to panel. That's the thing. If he was consistently looking like that, then I would say for sure. But he's all over the place. And yeah. so is Han. Han is a human and he's all over the place. They can't get a design because then let's go to the next page. And geez, boy, that is such a weathered looking Han Solo in that second panel. Yeah, and again, his hair has changed, and so all the all the townsfolk run away after a, a dozen of them have been murdered. That's right, folks. Look upon your dead and see what you get. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking grim. And I love Han Solo being a quick-draw guy who will shoot first, but I don't need him and Chewie destroying an entire town of people. <laughs> And just like, I just love the idea of, well, one of you tried to murder me, so now you all get it! Well, the idea that he only kept killing so long as the crowd was around him. It's only after they give flight that he stops. At least he doesn't shoot anybody fleeing in the back. Like, we know, we know yeah, like, if, if these people run, if he was just like, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> no yeah. witness, Huey. Uh, Han, no witnesses solo. <laughs> <laughs> well Chewbacca I also love the I mean Chewbacca I don't take as like a vicious like crazed animal I mean he certainly can wreck a dude but just the idea they talk about at the sign of first blood his nature takes over and he just goes insane he just goes off baby to be fair the characterization we've seen of Chewbacca in these comics specifically yeah. has been one of a crazed beast that is only tempered by the conscience of Han Solo. So once Han Solo loses his conscience, Chewie is just a killing machine. <laughs> there is this line earlier where uh, in the previous page, we have a line of captioning that says, a seven-foot anthropoid uh, who hails from a world where violence is such an everyday occurrence that there is 15 separate words in the Wookiee vocabulary for it. It's, it's like, like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, the, the Wookiees are pretty intense, but they're not. I mean, this makes it seem like, oh, they're just feasting on blood and organs every night. <laughs> We'll later establish that the Wookiees are actually like a genuinely peaceful people that try to coexist with nature and have uh, like a tree houses where they live. And it's all very nice. And that will be established. God help me in the star Wars Christmas special. True. They're such lovely people. Uh, even if his father has a porn addiction. Well, uh, look, we all have our issues, John. Oh, um, Ugh. Uh, yeah, be gone, defilers of the sacred way, says this. By the way, is this priest murdering too? Oh, yeah, 100%. He's actually, according to the onomatopoeia, he is smiting this man. Smite with a Y, but yes. Weird, but still, that word is smite. I do like a good smite now and then. <laughs> uh, anyway, so there you go. And then more dialogue as people run away. But I like that Han's like, oh, no, keep your gun out, Chewie. We don't know when we may have to kill again. But as the bug priest says, violence ever begets violence, Outworlder. As my holy book says, for every sin, there is an equal and positive retribution. 
So is his holy book just the laws of physics? I would take that as a holy book more than most other holy texts I'm aware of. Like He basically says for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, right? Right. Uh, and we find out the reason he says that is because, uh-oh, another animal completely separate from the other two we've seen on different art oh. on the next, next page is dead. Can I talk about the fa- this animal bleeding from its nose? This is a, hey, I got kids here kind of moment. Mm-hmm. This poor Bantha has been shot in the melee. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, apparently, Chewie might have smoked a doobie here based on <laughs> that look I'm getting in that panel. Look at him going, oh. Oh, he's just very unimpressed with the whole situation. You know Chewie doesn't want to be here. And he especially doesn't want to be here when Han convinces him to carry the cyborg coffin on his shoulders. Oh, I do like that moment. And actually, of anything in this issue... This feels the most like the Han and Chewie relationship from the movies is him and him going, hey, man, what? You know, I got to so, when he says later, he's got somebody's got to hold up the rear like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> also, though, we do get a bit of dialogue here. That's that's it, old chum. Don't drop yeah. it now. Show a little respect. Yes, yeah. I know I'm not the one who has to carry it up the hill. Quickly, Chewie, to the Falcon. We haven't won. <laughs> Moment to lose. Uh, yeah, it is. And anytime Han says old chum, I'm just like, ugh, guys, come on. Hey, I, I know there's only one movie, but how about paying any attention to how the character talks in it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, uh, I do so- love the stating the obvious when the insect priest says, and the Borg is far heavier than a human because he's half metal. Yeah. Do you, do you follow? <laughs> do you get are you a- getting, hey, readers, are you getting this? This guy's part robot. I don't know if you're figuring this out. We don't. We don't want to lose anybody here. Uh, uh-huh. And then, uh, so they do that, and phew, that was thirsty work. <laughs> yeah, I like how we wrap this whole thing up in three panels, basically, in this next page where they Chewie lugs him up the hill. They says some rights to the space gods, and <laughs> yep, space gods. And th- and then Han and Chewie come in. To this cantina, because it's a Star Wars can't resist a cantina scene. Although uh, these women in here look like uh, extras from a different Harrison Ford movie, Blade Runner. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Particularly that one with the sunglasses, uh, but that big hat, too. This looks very 80s to me, actually, which is interesting because it's 78. But uh, uh, also they goes like, hey, we're going to buy a round for the bar. Well, geez, Han, aren't you a little strapped for cash? I was going to say, all they have is a pouch full of coins that were taken off of a dead cyborg, and now we're yep. buying rounds for the whole cantina. And also, we like really need to scrape together some cash because somebody's going to murder us. And let's draw some attention to ourselves <laughs> as big spenders. Oh, great. Uh, and Chewie likes what he sees on this lady because he goes, Chinoop. You know, that old Wookiee sound of attraction, Chinoop. Can I say my favorite character in this, though, is this purple guy who's getting his drink on? Oh, he's just pouring it down the hatch like it's a funnel. But the fact that we have the burial of this cyborg, the last frame of which is this bug priest saying that, like, farewell, spacer, may I never see you again, and then we cut two sexy ladies in a bar all on the same page, feels so tonally out of whack. Yeah, it's no, it's this thing. And think about not that long ago, we were being robbed by space pirates. This issue is all over the place, man. Yeah. 
So we bury the cyborg. We go to the cantina. We see some sexy ladies. We buy around for everybody. And then we get to the next page and the last page in which Han is chatting up some blue lady because it wouldn't be a space thing if we weren't chatting up a blue lady. What's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this? Good God, Han. I mean, just talk about working on your lines, man. So hold on. The line here is, what's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this, dash, dash, I hope. What? (laughs) What's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this, I hope. I have no idea. That doesn't track to me at all. No, the dialogue here, yeah, it seems like it was rewritten at some point. Yeah, why don't we take a walk and swap life stories, Starhopper? You tell me yours and I'll tell you mine. Oh, that's as much as we can say about sex in a Marvel comic. <laughs> Why not? After all, who knows? Some of it may even turn out to be true. Aha. Hansel. And then best panel. Chewie <laughs> about to have a three-way, right? Because <laughs> Han turns back over his shoulder and says, you a key hero by your lonesome Chewie? Cut to Chewie. Arms over the shoulders of two ladies. One of which looks uh-huh. like a weird sci-fi fairy princess. And the other one looks like... Yeah! That's a horrible design. With the tall hat with the ribbon coming off of it and the stars on her legs. And then the other one looks like, ah, I'm just going to say it. It's, well, no, go ahead. She looks like a condom. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> uh, it, it looks like, uh, it looks like uh, a pop star at the time, Grace Jones, in one of her outrageous costumes. From her performances. Her dome-like hat has a reservoir tip, John. (laughs) Why do you think Chewie's got that look on his face? He's got a grunk on, that's for sure. Also, I don't, like, think... We don't see Chewie attracted to, like, humanoid women in anything. It's weird. Look, but the ladies love a Chewbacca, if you know what I mean. That's what I mean. Is it true what they say about Wookiees? Yeah, that I will literally kill you in in bed. <laughs> that there's nothing about our body types that in any way will go together. Uh, yeah, great. Uh, and then all of a sudden, these guys who come in. The Asian stereotypes as they're drawn on this last panel? Yeah, well, at least two of them. I don't know about that last guy. It's like Jaken forgot to make the other guy Asian enough. Well, the but, guy on the right there looks like a an illustrated drawing from a medieval tapestry or something. <laughs> yeah. But they're coming in, and I'm. there is no way not to, because of how they look, not to read this dialogue as just horrific Asian uh, like accent, right? Yeah. A most agreeable proposal, we assure you. You know, like that, too, also... Uh, and Han, oh, something I hate in a comic book is the, uh, word bubble with just the big question mark. Like that is what? I think it's always, uh, the way I always read that is the sound. Hmm? Yeah, I think so. Next issue, trouble in paradise. Yeah. Well, paradise. Par- uh, after he murdered half the town so he could bury yeah. a dead cyborg. Yeah. Almost paradise. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, these these three guys accost Han on his way out the door with the blue lady and says, we have a proposition to fo- to put forth to you, honored offworlder. And, yeah, it really does read no, like stereotypical. Listening to, like, you have to read it in the most flat voice because even just reading the dialogue, you start to head into some troublesome accent. 
It is a most agreeable proposal we offer you, unless, of course, you have an unfortunate aversion to dying. Meet my uncle, Charlie Chan. Um, Oh, boy, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And that's where we leave it. What What a cliffhanger. I can't wait to buy the next issue. We're in new uncharted territory here, John. We're off on a strange new world with Han and Chewie getting into some trouble, killing villagers, burying cyborgs, and offering to buy rounds of drinks in cantinas where they're trying to keep a low profile. You know, all the classics. Han Solo is my favorite character in all of Star Wars, and even I am like, can we get back to some other people? This is this is pretty weak, man. Well, also as we talk about, he doesn't talk or act like Han Solo at all. So, um, yeah, he is Flash Gordon, basically. Yeah, he he basically is. So, who issue seven, man? I, I I feel like this is gonna be a long podcast. Uh, but John, next issue, I we know have the arrival of everyone's oh. giant green Lepus Carnivorous. Jackson's Jackson. here. Jackson! <laughs> prepare to be underwhelmed. <laughs> uh, yeah, prepare for him to completely ruin everything about Star Wars, actually. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, well, we will, of course, we want people to uh, make sure they uh, like and subscribe on uh, whatever software they're using, including uh, if you're uh, watching us on YouTube, then yes, indeed. Uh, be sure to uh, hit that bell for notifications. And if you are listening to the podcast version of this, maybe go check out the YouTube because while I know we try to describe this the best we can, if you're watching the YouTube version, you can actually see the pages we're talking about as we display it on the screen, which is always useful when we're talking about a visual medium. Yes, that is one of the way that was why we decided to make this our first video podcast. And of course, if you want more exclusive content from Punch Up Entertainment, you can go to our Podbean patron page, which is patron.podbean.com slash punch up. Absolutely. And of course, there you can find all sorts of bonus material from all the other shows of the Punch-Up Entertainment Network, including Material Components, Panel Up, as well as Campbell and Jones Meet the Monsters, a show that has uh, just recently launched on its free feed. But if you go to our Patreon page, you can get, what was it, three seasons are already done on there? And uh, for every first season episode that comes on the free feed, uh, that week also drops that the corresponding episode of season four. So we're already into season four. On the patron page. So that's where you get us into, oh, that crazy decade we call the 1980s, baby. Ooh, the 80s was a rough time for some of the universal monsters. <laughs> it was, but it was a golden age of werewolf movies. There were yes. so many movies in the 80s. So, uh, yeah, check out all that. But, uh, yeah, I think. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, join us next time for issue number eight. As always, Jackson. I've been Jackson is here, and I am Mike Gergoni. I'm John Campbell. Until next time, may the panel be with you. Uh-huh.